episode 230, Joshua Long. Let's break for your bonnet. Welcome. Check out this fantastic podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, TEDx keynote speaker and best-selling author. I'm with you on this journey every week. If you have any interest in living life to the max, you need to reach out to me. Go over, follow all the links and head over to ayalpha.com, head over to Facebook and search for Awaken Your Alpha with ALW. My completely free men's mastermind group on Facebook. Come and join the Alliance, jump in there. If you get any value out of any of the guests you've listened to on here, continue the conversation. You also get exclusive content and updates. Just basically, if you like this show, get your ass over there. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. Today, I'm digging in with Josh Long of BottleneckBreakthrough.com. Josh has been helping business owners unlock sustainable growth since 2008 when he worked with Chet Holmes to help launch his consultant agency. He quickly became the marketing director of Business Breakthroughs International with Chet and Tony Robbins and has since worked with other thought leaders like Jay Abraham, Dan, Dan Kennedy, Perry Marshall and Keith Krantz. We're going to get straight into it. But firstly, Josh, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Let's do it. I mean, we were talking before the show. And we've already had a good time, so I hope that <laughs> hope that kind of sort of floods into the show. That was a reasonably short but powerful intro there. I mean, is there anything you'd like to add, highlight, or subtract from that? No, I think uh, getting into content is really yeah. good for me. There's some cool stuff you've been up to, but I will just ask origin question, and also then we get to find out like where you're originally from and where you're speaking to us from today for everyone listening in. Yeah, so I'm fifth generation in Fresno in Central California, so uh, okay. the vortex is strong keeping me here. <laughs> from about 12 on, thought I was going to be some form of doctor, surgeon, okay. something like that. Weaseled my way in, sat in on surgeries when I was a senior in high school, and then um, got into pre-med um, track and an undergrad, and then uh, worked in an ER for a couple of years, and I was just set on, yeah. on going to med school. And um, met my wife while I was applying to med school, and uh, every doctor that I worked with that, it, that had been married before med school was not married after med school. <laughs> that was a big, big factor. I knew I was going to marry my wife and didn't know if I wanted to drag her through it. And then I yeah. uh, was blessed. I, I got into an MBA program while I was waiting to get into med school and they had an entrepreneurship track. Okay. And so I got in that, fell in love with it. And then I was blessed by a friend of mine's dad. He was a uh, retiring neurosurgeon, brilliant guy, amazing uh, practitioner. And I, I went and met with him and uh, he said, you know, if you got business, it, it, that seems like it'd be a better fit for you. And medicine's changing. This was about 2003. Yeah. Uh, medicine in the U.S. was, was a, under an over big overhaul. And um, so I, I never looked back and uh, started wow. a couple different companies out of grad school. They all failed eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot. And uh, that's, that's the path that got me into business. How was that like? It seemed like you really had your vision quite clear for almost your whole life. And then kind of on the 11th hour, kind of you did a little U-turn. And was that a tough process? And in terms of, was it quite a quick decision in the end? Or was it six months or a year of waking up feeling this ain't right? Or the, you know, I know what I need no, to do. Or, yeah. I mean, that's a, it, it was a, a very difficult um, decision. So it wasn't a commitment issue. It was really the decision of, is, is this exactly what I want? And um, 
so it took about took about eight months of uh, deciding and I, I ended up going on a snowboarding trip with a buddy of mine we went up the west coast all the way up to whistler we hit every resort on yeah. the way up every mountain on the way up and i was really debating i think it was january of 2003 um, i was really debating whether to follow up with the, the med school applications because i was right in the middle of those i was going to go go to med school in the fall of that year and um yeah it just really felt like it wasn't it was going to consume me it was going to mm. consume my life it was going to consume me and it was going to consume whatever relationship i had uh with my wife at the time my girlfriend at the time yeah. so um yeah i came back and and decided on that trip and my buddy shannon he really helped me work through that too and um it kind of culminated on that trip and i came back and obviously my parents were uh, gravely disappointed. I bet. Yeah. I bet they've been telling everyone for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really odd too. Like even their friends called me Dr. Long and stuff. And I had <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> it, was just, yeah, it was just awkward. Um, but it, uh, I, I never looked back and, uh, I'm grateful for that. And it's been a, obviously a bumpy ride. Got to file bankruptcy in 08 after the credit crisis mm. crash, mortgage brokerage went down and, um, our, our daughter was a week old, our firstborn when we yeah. met the attorney, but I, I wouldn't change it for anything. It was, um, it was the right decision, but I'll tell you the biggest thing I've thought about this a million times. The biggest thing that having that singular focus growing up did was it kept me from wasting time in school. I, had, mm. I got my undergrad in four years, got my MBA in two, um, marched right through and, uh, had decent grades, decent enough grades to, yeah. to be competitive. Um, but if I hadn't had that singular focus, I'm, and it's not that there's a problem with spending time in your twenties, figuring out what to do, but I had a lot of friends that were on the five, six, seven year. This is interesting because yeah, I only come across because in England, you don't really get the choice or option to spread out your undergrad. Like it is mm. three years or four years, depending mm. on the course. But I always think that's a dangerous thing to give students like, literally 18, 19, 20 year olds, your option of take as long as you want. At that age, you're going to be like, Hey, and I know, I know some people as well. Cause I, I had a, a buddy who, um, one of my best mates who went to university in San Diego state university. I think mm -hmm. he took like seven years and I was like, stay there longer. Cause I used to go visit. Like oh, it, best, it was, yeah. he was like a holiday camp. Why, yeah. why would you get it over in three or four years? Work hard and get right. it done. It's like, right. there was no motivation to finish it. Cause yeah. Why would you? Amongst all that, you mentioned someone um, talked to you and sort of lent in your ear around about when you decided and sort of said, maybe you might want to rethink this uh, and maybe go into business. A Yoda question, who really helped you awaken your alpha? And it could be after that point and really helped you when you felt like you'd found your path, whether it was recently with, you know, the bottleneck breakthrough method or who really inspired you growing up or, you know, more recently? Yeah. So growing up, I was, I was blessed. I won the genetic lottery. I, um, I had, I had amazing grandparents. Um, my parents were great people and yeah. loved them. Um, but my grandfather uh, was a spectacular human being. And so he poured into me and my sister and my two cousins endlessly. Um, and so he passed when I was 18. He uh, had a heart yeah. attack after I graduated high school. And so, Damn. yeah, that was, that was a shock at 75 for him. And, um, but he, he, he just poured into me. He, he, was an innovator. He was an educator. He had a math and um, science uh, curriculum and games company that he innovated. And it, the games are still being used to this day. The wow. 
artists yeah. like this. Um, so he he gave me two two main edicts in life. One was um, if you ever stop learning, you might as well die. <laughs> and the greatest skill in the world is problem solving. And so that really set my sail right uh, from an early age. Wow. And then two bits of advice there. That, that almost covers everything. <laughs> that, is, that is really solid. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is like your, your alpha, your superpower? Or what, what do you think you're, you're best at? Or one of the things you're really good at? Yeah, it, um, it's funny. It's, it, it, I think everybody that has a superpower starts out thinking it's common sense, thinking everybody else sees this, does this. Um, and it, I think that's where the, the first tip, uh, the first hint becomes that, that you're delving into something you're uniquely capable of. Mm -hmm. And, and so for me, it's, it's always been just connecting the dots from a bunch of disparate things, bringing order out of chaos. Um, and when I worked for Chet, it was being strategic, figuring out the, the resources of a company, the uh, position in the market, the marketplace, the um, goals, uh, all of that, and come up with something cohesive and strategic. Um, that my buddies and I, we all call it the J. Abraham gene. <laughs> Godfather of it. And I've thankfully spent some time with Jay over the years, but it, it's that ability to um, be able to synthesize mm. something complex into something simple and easy to execute, essentially. Yeah. Well, I know you mentioned you didn't want to name drop there, but I have to sort of follow that up with how did you kind of align yourself or find yourself? Was it a very proactive thing you saw after with people like, like yeah. that and Tony Robbins as well? Again, somebody that name obviously sticks out as well. Can you tell us a little bit about, because other people would say, oh, I'd love to work with them sort of people and potentially won't do anything about it. It would just kind of be a distant dream or right. some people would actually like almost like you say, simplify it down. What are the steps or to make it a better chance of happening or happen? <laughs> yeah. So it, um, it was very proactive. Uh, I had just filed, uh, was filing bankruptcy in 08 and, um, had done a telesummit series that I was trying to launch something new off the ground. And, uh, I had interviewed a gal named Laurel Langmeyer, who I enjoyed her financial perspective. I, being a mortgage broker, I got into a lot of finance with clients. So I studied everybody under the sun, um, in, in the finance world. And she was on the fringes of, um, investment stuff. And, and I asked her how she got started. And she said she connected with Kiyosaki in the nineties and was selling his board games. And I thought, Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make money off of this summit. And I, I was struggling for income and and so I thought, gosh, who would I enjoy working with other than her or Kiyosaki at the time? And it was Chet. I had just I'd read his book over the prior year, uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine, and, and really loved it. And um, I was a big fan of Dan Kennedy. I'd followed him and um, worked with him uh, in 2007. Uh, but there wasn't any room in his organization. He didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. for me to fill. So I, I, just on a, I just cold emailed Chet and uh, I played his game of, Hey, I'm your next superstar salesperson and whatever. I just, yeah. I just matched his energy and, and persona. And he wrote back and got me in touch with his recruiter, uh, Mitch Russo, who's, who's became my boss and is still a good friend. And uh, I, I got in there and, and proceeded to butt heads quite heavily with Chet and a couple other people in the company. <laughs> but it, it was all around help, trying to help them improve. Yeah, with yeah. Them. 
Um, I, I could have done it a lot better. It could have been more mature, um, but that's what got his attention. Yeah, and, yeah. You wasn't just going to be far, a yes man, basically. Yeah, and I yeah. Was far with him, and so that that's when I really became aware that I had a unique ability. I don't want to sort of derail your story too much, but oh, well, apart around that sort of like button heads, and obviously you got a strong opinion there. Was some of it as well? Do you feel like? Because at that stage, that sounds like it's quite an employee type role as opposed to an entrepreneur. Was there kind of some, do you feel like now looking back, there might have been some struggles with that? Or like, I don't know, you, you tell me, was that, or were you fine working that? Or was it just that you had a disagreement? I definitely had a um, entrepreneurial bent my whole life. I made money in unique ways. So I definitely had that independent streak and having a mortgage brokerage and I had a couple, I had a software vent, venture that I tried launching out of grad school. So I was always in some kind of leadership, but w when it came to working with Chet, it was actually a character defect I had. Um, <laughs> a big one, really yeah. big one. I said, it's, it's like, it's good that you can, you know, look, you've got that awareness to be able to say it because I'm sure a lot of us, well, all of us have character defects, but a lot of times we bury our heads in the sand and say, no, it's the other person. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was, this was like when it first really, I mean, it, it had cropped up all, all growing up because I, yeah. I disrespected teachers and mm. administrators people that I felt were stupid. Mm. Um, I, I just, I would, I would paint them into a corner with logic and, and, and get them flustered. Mm. Um, but with, with Chet, it was that we had a, we just came at things a different way. And so I wanted, I, my character defect was that I wanted to take people in leadership. I wanted to take them down a notch. If I dis, if I felt they were going about something the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and so obviously it was dysfunctional and, and I um, am glad I've, I've resolved that character defect, but that's where he, that's how he and I butted heads a lot. But the benefit was we stuck with it enough and we got yeah. to the fruit on the backside. Um, but I, I could have definitely gone about it a better way. <laughs> the Tony Robbins thing is that, what, how did that come about? Or is that the so he, Chet, link? Chet, yeah. Chet partnered with Tony? Yeah. Um, He'd been trying to get him as a partner for about eight or nine years. Yeah. And so in late 2008, he got Tony's ear and they launched uh, Business Breakthroughs International and then launched the Business Mastery event. Um, and I think Tony's still doing it to this mm -hmm. day. Um, I never had any one-on-one -on -one time with Tony, yeah. um, but definitely worked with his team and, and helped grow Business Breakthroughs and the Business Mastery event. Why the focus on fast growth? Yeah. So to me, growth in companies, it's, it's never just a linear trod. Mm. Um, every, every company I've ever worked with or looked at, they grow to plateaus. Mm. And so when a company, say they're doing $3 million and, this year in revenue, and they say, we want to grow by 10%. The, the reality is adding 300000 in revenue, in my opinion, is actually harder to sustain than it is to add half a million to a million dollars in revenue. Because what's causing that 10% uh, or what's causing, preventing that 30% or 40% yeah. growth is what's going to cause that 10% growth to never happen. And so at these plateaus, there's clear bottlenecks that companies have. Yeah. Poor quality control, poor communications, poor management poor marketing, whatever it is, wherever there's a hole in the bucket or some point of friction, until that point of friction is resolved, it's going to be the limiting factor. It's going to be the Achilles heel that prevents 
continued sustained growth. Yeah. So lots of companies that have had some growth up into a plateau and then they bounce back and they retract and they grow up and they bounce back and retract. And you see this, it's logical too. When you look at like the stock market, I day traded in grad school. I had a mentor that was, was really bright there. And, and we just looked at, it, it was all pattern trading is what we did. And it was, we didn't care what the news said. We didn't care about anything. It was like these channels that these stocks would trade in. And so you'd, you'd hit a point of resistance, a ceiling of resistance, and you'd bounce back to a floor. And, and then until some fundamental changed, until something changed in that company or the market, they would trade in this range until they break through. And then that ceiling became the new floor. Yeah. Same way in, in organizations. And it, it works on the macro level with publicly traded stocks, works on the micro level in, in a privately held companies. What are some of your favorite methods to unlock faster growth? So I've developed the bottleneck breakthrough method and it's got six levers and that we go through. And so uh, every lever is an area that I've used to unlock growth for a company, whether it's their um, strategy, figuring out their pricing, their positioning, their differentiation, uh, getting into marketing. Obviously, everybody comes to me thinking they need more leads. That's at the end of the day, that's what business owners think of when they think of marketing is I need more leads but it could be that they just need to change their pricing or they need to change their offer or they need to add a qualifier um, so that the leads are demonstrating that they're worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and then we get in a lot of management. So uh, small business owners, uh, the word management um, might, might as well have been created from Satan himself. Um, to small business. <laughs> um, it, because they just rail against that term and that, that ideology of, or that idea of organizing people and telling them what to do. They, they equate it to bureaucracy. <laughs> and so I, I get into a lot of management hacks because nobody wants to pay me to teach them how to manage, but yeah. it becomes the bottleneck uh, to growth a lot of times, whether it's a million, two million, five million, ten million, 10 million, whatever management always crops up yeah i mean you might you might have covered this a little bit just in your answer there but i, I saw something obviously in your information that I, I liked this sort of this sentence um you know leads are nice but cl but closing is what matters and i know you touched on like sometimes that could be the issue like people just want more and more leads regardless of what they're doing with these leads they just think you know probabilities more leads they're they're, they're gonna get a yeah. better result yeah so i mean yeah, i mean i got a great case study in my book uh so the book's coming out soon it's called bottleneck breakthrough uh, it's with the design layout right now. So by the time people hear this, it, it might be. Yeah, I think it could be. <laughs> um, but, and I won't, I won't incriminate the company, but um, <laughs> back in 2010, I was uh, brought into a, a great software company. They had a great product and they were getting a thousand new trial subscribers a month on a seven day, $1 trial. And they wanted me to get them more affiliates to promote it. And so I went in and did my analysis and I said, well, how, how long, what's your average client lifetime uh, value or retention? And they said 2.4 months. So they got about $214 out of these subscribers. But this is software that works so well that they should be getting like eight to 12 months out of this. Yeah. Week. And that's, a, oh, wow, that's a huge impact on their revenue, isn't it? Blimey. Right. Yeah. And so I, I said, well, what's your onboarding look like? They said, what's that? It was pretty much just here, jump in and <laughs> good luck. <it> out. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so at the time there was another company, which I, I don't think I reveal who they are in the book either. Um, but <laughs> I, because I just don't want to deal with yeah. 
drama, but there was another company exactly at that moment that had just launched an onboarding process. And I showed company A the onboarding process while I was in a meeting asking them, what are they doing to help with onboarding? And they were like, wow, that's really nice. I said, let's spend our time there because that's your real bottleneck. Yeah. We'll quadruple your profits on the same leads if we fix that right now. And they said, no. And I said, what? I said, well, <laughs> I thought that was about to say genius. That's not how the story is supposed to go. <laughs> well, and I said, I'm not interested in trying to get affiliates that are only going to get 2.4 months when they should be getting six to eight yeah. months or, or some percentage or some, some higher multiple. And, um, and so that company languished and I don't even know if the software is available today, but I know their revenue's never grown. Um, whereas company B who created the onboarding traction hit, they've raised about $150 million since they're big, successful, <laughs> massive company. Yeah. And I, I won't say that it was just because they solved onboarding, but they both were dealing with the exact same bottleneck at the exact same time. And one company thought, well, let's just pour more, more leads into the funnel. And the other company said, how do we make sure that more people use our software? Mm. So to me, that's, that's where the, your, your question about closing yeah. or getting away from focusing on leads is let's just look at your, your process. Everybody talks about funnels nowadays and um, it's a very buzzword term. Uh, but it, it's just what is the client experience? Yeah, and and yeah, so adding more value, but also like you said, there, the the cost of getting a new customer or a new lead, you know, as opposed to all the money that's being left on the table from the the customers for in any business that are jumping out two months when realistically, even based on your your product or service, that they should be six months or you know, that, well, I mean that doesn't yeah. Say, yeah exactly that doesn't sound like a lot more, but you know if, no, that's no. a huge amount though if there's a lot of people yeah. Exactly. And there becomes in software or many subscription businesses where you have two average lifetime values. They either stay for six months or life, or they stay mm. for two months or life um, in, in essence. And so yeah. get them over the hump. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And if we're building things, whether it's software or products or courses or coaching or um, any kind of solution, we're, we're solving a problem for mm. people. Yeah, there's entertainment and that whole side of the world to consumers, which I don't deal with, but on the B2B side um, or personal development side, we're providing solutions to solve people's problems that make their life easier, happier, more profitable, whatever. And so um, if we don't have, if we're not helping them use it or consume it or get results from it, you're, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, that's, well, that leads quite nicely into the next thing because obviously that's a key tip. But what, what are some other great tips that our listeners might benefit from around this subject? Yeah, so I think the one that's been top of mind recently with a lot of clients I've been talking with is the concept of delegation, automation, and really the, the root issue is abdication. And... <laughs> this comes back to management and this comes back to uh, what is management. And so I think so many people want to go to full automation. I'm just going to outsource it. I mean, we all love the four hour work week. Tim Ferriss <laughs> opened our eyes to a new world back in 2007. Um, and it's great, but there's a lot of steps people miss in getting to his level of automation. And it's first defining what you want to hand off. How, how do you delegate that? How do you manage it there? When we, when we go to hand something off, 
to anybody if if we don't know how it's done and we don't have any feedback mechanism to check in on it, um, then really you're abdicating it and you're you're stuck getting whatever result shows up. And so that's where a lot of business owners I deal with, it's just teaching them, hey, how do you how do you hand this off? How do you delegate this so that the person is equipped to get it done? So that it doesn't come back to you with a million more questions. <laughs> and then what are you doing to check in on it without feeling like you're micromanaging, without feeling like you're babysitting, but what's a mechanism that you can check in on to make sure it's not falling through the cracks? Because I mean, entrepreneurs, we all have, we're all visionaries. We all have these great ideas. We all have new stuff we want to do. We're quick starts usually. We like starting things, but the money's in when it's finished, the money's in <laughs> Yeah, so many people, yeah, get, get like loads of things, 90, 95% done, and then they like lose interest, go on to the next thing, and yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, it's the same thing on, on generating leads, building traffic pillars, as I call them, and it's, I, I, I have so many people that come to me, they're like, oh, I ran Facebook ads for five days and spent 50 bucks, and uh, it didn't work, and I'm like, well, what didn't work? Did you not get clicks? Did you not get opt-ins? Did people not show up to the webinar? Did people not fill out the quote form? Did people, I mean, it's, it's making this plan ahead of time of what are we going to measure and how long are we going to stick with it to give it a, as my grandfather would say, a good college try. Because <laughs> to me, throwing, throwing mud against the wall and seeing what sticks um, is the reason so many companies don't, don't follow through. So Cool. Well, this is kind of, in terms of starting to wrap this up, alpha round, what would you say is one of your alpha habits or something that you do, if not daily, almost daily, and if you don't do it, you probably don't have as good a day as you used to? Uh, well, being an ADD, entrepreneurial mindset kind of guy, habits are really difficult to stick with. But the one that, um, that pays off the most is, honestly, morning meditation. If I can get 20 minutes in of just quieting my mind. Um, and it's funny, the best sessions I fall asleep on. I used to think I was lazy or, <laughs> or, or exhausted or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like my brain literally just shuts off somehow and I fall asleep. So um, that really sets the foundation for me. It gets, gets my heart in the right place, gets my attitude in the right place and uh, calms, calms everything. So cool. that's that's the big lever for me right now. Awesome. Um, and I know we mentioned a couple of books there and I can see, I can see plenty of books behind you. Is there either a, an all time book or maybe a, I know your book's coming out, but, or a specific book around what we've been talking about, or just even the book you're currently reading that you think's worth a mention. It's up to you really. Yeah. So I, I've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books over the years and, um, more and more they, they're, seem to be fewer worth reading that are coming out mm. and so i've got and i don't mean to sound arrogant it's just there's <laughs> there's a was, lot of fluff out there i was and gonna so, say that the uh, barrier to entry has gone way down so yeah, like you say yeah, before right. it you know it most people are doing a book it could have been like years and years of research research and they only did it if there's really serious now it's kind of like right. the barriers down so you do get obviously people who are legit but you also get people who are like i had an idea this weekend I love the speed of implementation, but like you say, sometimes a book can get put out there that maybe could have done with another six months of review or something. <laughs> or it just stayed in the blog post. <laughs> um, but honestly, to me, I've got about a half a dozen books that I, I say are reference 
level status, that they're worth going back over and over. They were worth reading, they were worth implementing, and they're worth reviewing. Yeah. And funny enough, this is a, this is a title that no nobody's heard of that I've ever talked to, but Ooh. it might be my favorite book of all time. I'm rereading it for a second time right now. And it's by Scott Adams, the cartoonist behind Dilbert. Okay. His book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. It, I, I don't know why, but he just lays some things out in that book that really unlocked some stuff for me. Um, one, one that I really connect with is that uh, goal setting is for losers. Um, is this, is <laughs> and I've, I've felt this way too, that when you have a goal, you're in a perpetual state of failure until you achieve that goal. And if you don't achieve that goal, you're compounded per state of failure. And so his thing is come back to systems. What is the system outcome um, that you can focus on that if you keep hitting that system activity, um, routine, whatever, you're going to achieve the goal. Um, so to me, that book, for whatever reason, uh, it, it, I feel like it's like a more mature, updated version of the four hour work week without the hype um, because he doesn't get into making money hacks or anything like that. But that book, for whatever reason, really cut through uh, the noise for me. And, and everybody that's read it, that I've referred it to, about a dozen friends have all come back blown away that it was, that it, that it was so great. Is there a particular resource you either would recommend to people in business? Um, it's just, it could be a very minor thing. I know, you know, tools are only as good as the person who's using them. Maybe something that you use either to keep you on the straight and narrow or that you recommend to people. Yeah. So tools, there's a million of them out there. Project yeah. management, <laughs> CRMs, I've marketing automation. I've looked at them all. I've dealt with them all. I've had clients in them all. Um, and my favorite tools are the ones that get used. Um, and so ones that I end up coming back to over and over and that clients end up using over and over uh, are uh, a couple. So Calendly, mm -hmm. it's a calendar app. Yeah. No, a lot of people I've been work, like working with and coordinating, they've been using Calendly. Um, and I used it a little bit. I'm, I'm on schedule once at the moment. Um, again, it's kind of what works. Right. I, I had both on the go for a bit and then I was like, I could, cause everyone's like raving about Kelly and I, I like schedule once at the a moment, but they're, you know, they're similar. And like you say, if it so the does hack, a job, the yeah. hack with Calendly for me that, that made it infinitely more useful was mm. creating as many different calendar events. As yes. That's, that's what drew me and that looked, yeah. Awesome. I have one that's uh, available for the most latitude of my schedule. And I title that one a VIP appointment. Mm -hmm. And then I have uh, like management reviews. I like doing in the afternoon, Tuesday, mm -hmm. Wednesday, Thursday. So that's all that's blocked there. And so I can make a quick one. Um, if I do a promotion with somebody for strategy calls or whatever, I can just make that available yeah. make it a, and I don't have to mess with it. Uh, so, it was so useful. And I think linked to our whole interview, basically I didn't get over the hump with Calendly because I had, I had um, schedule once what I've been using and I thought right. I could, and I just, like you said, I did, I could see that as what enticed me, but I never got over the hump and I was so close. And like, I think if I'd have got over that hump, I'd have been with them <laughs> the whole well, time. I'm still using like I said, the tool that gets used is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, the other one is type form and it's a, uh, it's an online form tool. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's got the ability to do conditional logic. So if somebody answers A or C on this question, show them this next question. And 
So it's not only is it robust and conditional logic, but on usability, it doesn't show all 800 questions if you have 800 questions. Okay. Overwhelming. It feeds them one at a time. And it can show <laughs> percentage growth as you go or a number uh, out, of, out of total that you're going, but usability on it's spectacular. And so I do a lot of um, qualification forms with that where if people answer a certain question a certain way, they're shown a certain solution yeah. at the end. And it's, it was a great qualification tool for a number of um, sales funnels that I've built with clients because you, you find over time, if you're taking a lot of strategy calls or sales calls or demos with people that you can batch them into segments. If people want to find out more um, and connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, I, Facebook's great. I, um, I accept all friend requests unless it, they look shady. Um, <laughs> unless you've got no friends. And, no, <laughs> yeah. or, uh, or lots of uh, hot girl pics. Yes, um, I've been getting a lot of them lately. <laughs> I thought it was just me. Not the angle. <laughs> I don't know what the gimmick is. It's but, so weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I accept most everybody on Facebook. I've, I do little videos now. I've been starting doing videos on tips like this, strategies. Um, Bottlenickbreakthrough.com uh, is the site for my consulting. That's where the book will be. Uh, the book will be on Amazon. My goal is with the book that it becomes reference level manual for you to go back to, to solve your bottlenecks, march through them. Um, that, there's no I like way the I sound of that. that. That needs I'm, it. So I'm going to get one of them. <laughs> so, and, and in closing, what is a, a quote that springs to mind that you either like to live your life by or you just is one of your all time favorite quotes? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm a big quote collector. I've got a Google Doc, probably 200 pages long now of them. But uh, this one just always comes back and it gets more and more useful as I, uh, as I challenge myself. And it's from Jim Rohn and it's, don't wish your problems were less, wish you were greater. And uh, everybody has challenges in life. We all face them. And the reality is that they're all relative. Um, whether it's... Uh, a new mom dealing with keeping getting her baby to sleep um, and how crazy that that stage of life is or it's Richard Branson running 300 companies <laughs> uh, dealing with whatever regulations and potential lawsuits and overwhelm he deals with everybody everybody's overwhelmed uh, at some point by their problems and so instead of crying and whining and sticking my head in the sand, I, uh, I, I repeat that one to myself and say, hey, this is a blip on somebody's radar that's further ahead in the process than me. So don't get, don't get derailed by whether it's a website getting hacked or a server going down or a client going sideways or a um, kid getting a laceration on their face and having to take them to the ER <laughs> in the middle of it, or whatever. It's just, yeah. I really appreciate that. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure today. If you got any value out of this, um, and any of the shows and keep going and they say this this whole podcast and this episode is, as well is all about getting better and dealing with your bottlenecks and breaking through so if you've got any value of this reach out to myself or josh and let us know but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today and uh, i'll speak to you soon yeah it was awesome thanks adam the awaken your alpha podcast if you get any value out of any of the guests to on here continue the conversation my completely free men's mastermind group on facebook come and join the alliance jump in there head over to ayalpha.com head over to facebook and search for 
Awaken Your Alpha with ALW and jump on the inside. Let's connect, let's take it to the next level. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.